Luke 13, 10 through 17. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. Just then there prepared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over, was quite unable to stand upright. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, woman, you are set free from your ailment. When he laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had cured on those days and be cured and not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, you hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to give it water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 long years, be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day? When he said this, all his opponents were put to shame, and the entire crowd was rejoicing at all the wonderful things he was doing. Last Sunday, we looked at the rewards of faith, where we were met by the incredible honesty of the Bible. You see, many preachers preach faith as the path to prosperity and the good life. It's called a prosperity gospel. But the Bible is much more honest and doesn't hold back in that honesty. Yes, faith can lead to wealth. But it might not be the kind of wealth you think it is or even want. Three Hebrew boys showed great faith, incredible faith, when they refused to bow down to an earthly ruler. Their reward? Well, now they faced a fiery furnace burning hotter than ever before. Abraham moved to another country at the Lord's command. He listened to and he obeyed God. But then God told him to sacrifice his son Isaac on an altar. Can you even imagine his thoughts and heartache as he and Isaac journeyed to the place where God expected him to plunge a knife into his beloved son's heart? For the three Hebrew boys and for Abraham, their reward for their great faith was to receive another test of faith. Get in that furnace. Plunge that dagger. And John the Baptist's reward for faith, you might remember it was to have his head served on a silver platter at a party. That is the honesty of Scripture, that our faith is not for the timid. 
Next week, that honesty will focus on the rewards of righteousness. But today, the truth of God's word shines on the rewards of Sabbath. Lord Jesus, who sets us free for joyful obedience, to live a life of grace and love for all, Bless us with the rewards of Sabbath and free us from whatever binds us in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. A bent-over woman and a man bent out of shape walk into a synagogue. Sounds like a joke, doesn't it? But... This is no joke. This is very serious stuff. Because we, we are going to talk about rules. And every church has rules. But do they help us serve the kingdom of God or not? In this case, certain rules inhibited ministry, got in the way of ministry. Imagine this woman's life. 18 years of seeing feet, of seeing the ground. We've all seen people who are exactly as she is described, very bent over, uh, so much so that they can't lift their neck at all. She knew every stone and every mud puddle. What she didn't know is what people looked like after 18 years of not being able to see them. Maybe by their voices. Maybe she listened closely and could recognize them by their voices. She couldn't read facial expressions, but only tones and nuances in those voices. Can anyone here relate to the pain of arthritis? How about arthritis so bad that it bends you over and keeps you bent over? And Jesus calls her forward and heals her. Get that moment in your head. I can so easily see Jesus and this woman holding hands and running around in a circle just laughing and dancing like children because she's finally free. And the first face she sees in 18 years, the face of Jesus. Imagine that amazing moment. The people rejoiced. Jesus rejoiced. The woman rejoiced. What an amazing woman, too. One of the most faithful you'll ever find in Scripture, although she's hardly mentioned in such a list of faithful women. If she had gone to the synagogue for 18 years, she had attended almost a 1,000 services with no healing. 
yet she still goes. She still believes in God. Even when it seems like God isn't ever going to answer her, she remains faithful to Sabbath. That is the commitment of love. But Jesus did heal her, and everyone rejoiced. But there was a hater in the crowd, the leader of the synagogue. He accused Jesus of breaking the Jewish law. And truthfully, he had a point. Jesus didn't just break one law. Jesus broke several of them. Men were never to acknowledge a woman in public. Jesus broke that law. Jesus called her to the front of the assembly. Jewish law said this was a sacrilege that could contaminate the entire temple. There sure are a bunch of women in this choir. And they're way up front, aren't they? Do you feel contaminated? I don't feel contaminated. I feel blessed. Blessed to have them around. But back then, things were a little different. Jesus broke that law. Jesus shattered that law. He touched her. Another violation, as only husbands were allowed to touch their wives. And rabbis, in particular, never touched any woman. Jesus broke that law. The man had a front row seat to a miracle, and he was more concerned with the rules than to an end of the woman's suffering. How dare he? If Nora lights the right candle before she lights the left candle, are we going to cancel worship and send everybody home? I mean, Nora's been training Mike for a long time to light candles. But every now and then he forgets which candle to light first. Does that mean we have to kick him out of the church? He tries. You try, don't you, Mike? Yeah, see? You just need some remedial training. Nora, get to work. But we're having fun with that. But what about serious things like my goodness, are those fake flowers in our sanctuary? And we dare accuse this Jewish leader? When we have plastic flowers, how dare we dishonor God that way? Did you see Mike and Harry when they woke up here, walked up here? Neither of them are wearing a tie. 
Don't they know? Haven't they heard? God can't answer their prayers if they're not wearing a tie. Someone needs to set them straight. That's actually an unwritten rule in a lot of churches. Some of them I went to, actually, when I I was moved, I, I went to some churches like this. They weren't that way when I left. (laughs) And how about that pastor? How can he possibly still stumble over the Apostles' Creed? Isn't he supposed to know it? Doesn't he have it printed and laid right in front of him when we're saying it? At least he finally learned that the prelude follows the announcements. (laughs) Only took him a month of Sundays. And my goodness, who picks the hymns around here? I don't want to learn new hymns. I don't care if their words might calm my fears and grow my faith. How can I worship if I don't know a song? One more question. Do these questions sound more like something Jesus would ask or more like something the leader of the synagogue would ask? Whenever I enter this or any sanctuary, I am very aware that today might be the day I have a front row seat to a miracle. Love, hope, forgiveness, being in the presence of Jesus like Mary, yes, I said it, praying and unleashing the power of God in the, power, in, in the lives of people that I love, and in the world that needs the power of God so much, letting God's word touch me, weeping with those who weep, rejoicing with those who rejoice, sins removed as far as the east is from the west, to be able to come here on Sabbath and be still and know that God is God. Am I going to let unfamiliar hymns and fake flowers keep me from these great rewards of Sabbath? Am I going to let them hinder or lessen in any way my praise, or disturb my love for God and God's love for me in any way. Not a chance. Not in a million years of years. Because every Sabbath, you and I might just have a front row seat to a miracle. And if I'm too worried about rules, I might miss it. And I won't.
Praise be to God. Amen.